Well, we close out February, and as we roll into March, the question is, will this trend in higher interest rate expectations continue to support the US dollar? Will equity markets continue to grind lower, or is volatility about to make a sharp comeback? We assess all these factors in the trade-off. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Chris Weston from Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics, and we're going to be discussing all the factors that are going on in the global markets, the trades that we like, the setups that we like, and should be on your radar as well if they're not already. Anyway, I'm going to bring Blake straight into the program. Mr. Morrow, how goes it? Great. How are you, Chris? <laughs> I'm all right. Not too bad. Not too bad. Look, we just closed out February. I hope it served you well. I'm sure it did. Uh, I hope some of your, your clients benefited from some of the research you're putting out at the moment, some of the setups have been have been very good indeed. Um, but, uh, you know, we're coming into March. And, and how are you feeling about this whole the, the, the platform that we've got here? You know, I feel like uh, it's kind of like the same sentiment. And by the way, thank you for the kind words. I, I think are both cumulatively with our with our traders and our followers watching the trade off. I think they benefit greatly every single week, you know, so kudos to you. Um, but I, I want to say going into this month, I'm going to take the sentiment that I had uh, from my my weekly video that I publish um, on the weekends. I'm kind of wishy washy, and I'm not a wishy washy trader. I'm not a I'm not a trader that doesn't like to be biased in some sort of direction. And right now, that's kind of where I stand. I'm I can see the market going in either direction. A lot of it has to do with uh, sentiment positioning. The other has to do with economic data. So you can probably gather which direct what I'm thinking is. You know, I think stocks should be lower. I think risk should be lower. But then again, I think everybody thinks that way. So maybe stocks aren't going to go lower. So you know, I, I'm kind of in a kind of in a standstill right now. Doesn't mean there's not opportunities in the market, but I am a little wishy-washy. How about you, Chris? I don't. I, I, you know, I can see you wishy-washy. I've never heard that statement before, but I see what you mean. It's, it's just we're waiting for some sort of some sort of trend to develop and, and a clearer bias uh, in, in the price action, um, you know, to, to frame that. My advice to you, go, get, get on the five-minute charts, mate. There'll probably some, <laughs> there'll be some less wishy-washy action going through there. But I agree, you know, we, 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 I think we're, we're, we're seeing um, a market that's pretty undecided. There's a battle between the balls of bears. No one's really prepared to, to make that statement. So I think it's a probably good idea. Let's go into Topical Funder and, and dissect some of those points. Well, what better place to start? I think we've got some really good topics here, to be honest, because um, whilst we did pick them, so they're obviously very good, um, I think you know they cover a lot of what we need to do. I mean, obviously, the US dollar would be a, a really good one, but we can encapsulate that into what we're saying here. But the US 500, the S&P 500, you know, I brought that up because... Um, you know, we, we've come down to the 200-day moving average. Um, yeah, the Dow, and and you know, come down to sort of horizontal support levels. It's been a pretty slow grind. I mean, everyone's been trading these zero um, DTA options. I mean, we're we're getting some, some calls of 26,000 contracts the other day. You know, everyone's buying these daily um, days to you know, days to expire. These zero days to expire. They're massive business these days, which of course you know can see some intraday volatility playing through because the dealers have to go and hedge their delta and you know that that, that can cause some some wild moves and then have to buy them back intraday so yeah you've got a lot of options trading going through which is causing some moves um but you know we're sitting on key support at the moment we've got a chart coming up at the moment but obviously if we were to see another leg lower in the s p then one would suspect the us dollar would would find some love um 
the reason for the, the, the decline, obviously, is, is really important. If it's driven by higher yields and a stronger US dollar, then you know that could see the VIX pushing into the mid-20s. Um, or do we rally from these levels? You know, China's data has been a little bit better recently or yesterday. Um, and you know, the global economy is looking all right. And, and some people are suggesting we're getting closer once again to this kind of peak pricing in rates. So where's your, where's your bias at the moment? Um, wishy-washy or are, are you feeling the love uh, on... Yeah. I'm going to put it in the in, in the in the in the uh, terms of uh, President uh, George Bush the second. Yep, I'm a flip flopper. I'm going to be a flip flopper <laughs> today. I don't, right. You know, I I don't I don't I really again I, I'm I'm at a point in the markets and and I'm going to shift our focus not just to the S and P, but I actually uh, want to say that the Nasdaq and also the Dow are at some pretty key levels themselves. And uh, both the 38% retracement for the for the uh, Nasdaq 100. You've got the Dow Jones Industrial Average pivoting today off of the uh, 38% retracement as well. And then you got the S and P, which is you know we talked last week, Chris, about you'd ask if I'd be a buyer, and I'm like, well, maybe 39.50, 39.25. We literally got to like 39.20 something this last week or this week, and 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 so and just today we were really close. So. We're at such pivotal levels. I do think that the risk is defined if you want to be long. But I'm going to go back to the old saying, Chris, uh, it's okay to be wrong if you are wrong. It's yeah. not okay to stay wrong. That's so, right. You know? and, yeah, no, I agree. But do you know the other thing? Is, so we, we trade what we see, right? We, we trade the tape. We trade the price action. We react yep. to moves. Um, but if you think about the investment community, the buy side who are putting money to work, I mean, in the equity market, yeah, people are mandated to buy. Um, but yeah, why, why would you be buying now? I mean, like, yeah, earnings are coming down. You know, growth's under question. You've got rates pushing higher. You've got optionality. You know, 12-month, six-month treasury bills are giving you 5%. You've got to beat that. So and with all the data that's coming through in, in March, is there enough conviction to really to, to, to pile back into equities. I think there's a I think there's there's a bit of a buyer's strike going on at the moment and that's seeing these markets just fall under their own, own, own way to sellers at the moment. So yeah, what's that what's the big catalyst to buy is the question there. Right. And so that's I'm gonna take us right into our next topic, Chris, uh mm. into yields because yep. this is the one thing and 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 the bond market is the one thing that really has me questioning what in the hell is going on in the stock market because when you have bonds going the way that they're going, you got you got ten year yields that just hit a new trend high, um, and you got bonds slumping. At what point do they become a value proposition as stocks are coming down? And you you know going back to your last topic, talking about price action. If I was a buyer of equities and they're not really bouncing, so they got down to the value place that we talked about last week, where we're like, okay, that this might be an area where you want to buy stocks. If you're buying stocks and you're not getting paid to own stocks. You probably are starting to get nervous, and then you start looking at things like the bond market. I mean, yeah. what is with the bond market at these levels right now? And yields are as high as they are, especially on the ten-year. You could go across the curve, though, and and you're seeing some of the longer end, you know, moving higher. What are your thoughts about the bond market here, and are they a value proposition? I, I think. Um you know, when we had QE and we had balance sheet expansion and zero interest rates, 
you know, the central banks pushed us out the risk curve. We went into memes, we went into, you know, into junk, into crypto, all this kind of stuff. We we took risk, right? And and capital appreciation and name again. You've you're an investor now. You've got choice. You've got you've got you can get as I say, you can get five percent on a six month US T bill effectively, and you, and you've got a risk free asset there. I know the debt ceiling potentially changed there, but you're going to get paid either way. But you've got you've got that. So equities have to beat five percent. To get past the risk-free rate, so that's 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 a headwind, right? Um, you know, you've got QT coming through. Um, yeah, Apple's falling. All the growth stocks are you know are, are not finding any love. There's no real capital appreciation. It's difficult to do so. So you know, you've got that choice in in, in the bond market now. Um, people have been trying to say. Look, you know, we've got peak pricing. We've, I'm a victim of this myself. We've got peak pricing in in the rates market, and therefore, you know, two and five year tre- uh, treasury bill uh, t- uh, government bonds, you know, are fairly fairly uh, fairly fairly cheap at the moment. Um, sorry, fair, yeah, yeah, the yields are, are pretty high, and then they, and then they keep going up, right? So, it's it's been it's been a, it's been a tough trade to 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 go and buy bonds. I mean, yeah, you've got the terminal price now in in, in Fed funds at five fifty for September. That's the the peak pricing, and therefore you've seen two year Treasuries making a new high. You've you've got five year Treasuries making a new cycle high. You talked about the ten year; we're pushing four percent at the moment, um, but it keeps going up. Uh, but it's the rate of change I think is really important for equities. If we were to see a higher rate of change, I, I don't see that. But if we were to see that, then I think the equity market takes another leg lower. Um, but it's okay, a steady so can grinding. I, can I ask you- can I ask you a question? Yeah. If the equity market took a leg lower, would you be a buyer of bonds, or would you be a buyer of the dollar? Because you're gonna, you're you're not gonna win on both. I if don't if, think. if the reason why if the reason why the equity market's going down is because the net present value of the equity market's going down, the intrinsic value of the market's going down because bond yields are going up, then I'm a buyer of dollars every day of the week, right? Um, if if the equity market's going down because of growth concerns in the global economy, then Bond bonds are probably going to fall, and yeah, you know, it depends if, if the if the growth concerns out of the US, then I'd probably go and buy the Swiss franc or the Japanese yen. So it's the reason why the equity markets is falling is 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 is, is obviously the reason why why you're doing that. Yeah. So great answer, great answer. Thanks, mate. Um, I want to talk about the global economy because China is obviously really at epi- the epicenter. We've seen, if, you, if, if anyone who's been watching the Hang Seng or the H shares, any of the Chinese equity markets, or even dollar C and H, the offshore yuan. Um, you know, you have seen a situation where those equity markets have been grinding lower. Uh, I think, you know, since February the sixth or so. Um, and you know, yesterday we saw a, a really, really strong, um, you know, services uh, PMI number and manufacturing number. Look, it's a diffusion index, and you know, you're measuring how it, how it, how our activity was relative to last month. Of course, last month we had we had Lunar New Year, so you'd imagine that you're going to see a bit of a rebound. But it was the highest I think for February in, in a decade or so. Um, and what matters most is how the market reacted. You know, we saw a five percent move higher in the in the H shares. The Hang Seng went for it. You know, volumes were okay. Um, you know, good good flow into the into the Chinese market through the Connect. Um, and people are saying now, is is this the trend of better data? You know, the the PBOC and the, and the Chinese government are obviously going to come out and say, yeah, we did the right thing in in, in closing down the economy. We've saved lives. Uh, and we reopened it in such a manner that the economy is now going to flourish. Um, but we're seeing that in the data. But obviously, one you know, one series doesn't necessarily mean it's going to continue. Um, but how, how are you trading the Chinese markets now? You know, are you buying your arms? Would you would you be looking to cover shorts in in Chinese equities, Chinese indices? Would you be longs? How, how would you play that now? First of all, um, let me let me just state as a North American trader, I don't really trade Chinese narratives too much. However, if I did. 
what I would be doing is I would be fading this move. And the reason why I say that is just because a, uh, they put balloons over my country. I don't believe China's data. I'm just, I'm joking. I'm jo- I'm so joking right now. So joking. But no, jokes aside, keeping it lively, folks. Um, but jokes aside, uh, I think that the Chinese reopening has been such a factored into the price move. I know last night's data was a bit of a surprise. I saw a copper rally. I saw the move in the CNH. I, even even some of the Chinese markets re- recovered, but mm. they're entrenched in pretty steep downtrends. Yeah. So if I was a trader of these themes, I would actually be fading into that in Asian trade today, actually, wow. is probably where I'd be looking. Yep. You look at the Aussie dollar has not been very responsive. I know the Aussie dollar has its own issues, which we're going to talk about throughout the course of the show, especially as we go into next week with the RBA. But I, me personally... I, like I said, I don't really trade the Chinese themes, but I do believe that it is a worked out theme. It is very priced in. We got a bit of a jump, and I think you you, you sell right into this rally. I, that, yeah. that would be my. Oh, I'm going to take a slightly different approach. We've got the um, yeah the uh, the, the the central bank meeting this weekend uh, into Sunday, and that, that may may have some implications about who's going to be picked for different um, key personnel positions. I, I'm going to explore some different trades about buying strength. So whilst I wouldn't necessarily be buying now, I want to see that a bit more of a momentum move um, and, and try and encapsulate that. So I'm not selling into this move at the moment. I'm looking for a bit more strength to buy into that. So buy stops above the market. I'm going to express that for a Kiwi dollar trade, which I'll show you in a minute. So looking to oh, buy, but you're probably looking to, to, to wait for the market to, to show that there's more momentum into the trade and, then, and, and try and ride that up rather than sell into it. So yeah, a bit of a, bit of a slightly different way of, of trading it. Yeah, you know what? You wait for the Blakes to get out of the way. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> the Blakes of the world. All right, hey, let's let's uh, let's switch it over to uh, ISM and our last topic. And uh, as we saw today, the ISM manufacturing data was a mover. And you know, Chris, uh, to our credit here at the trade off, we talked have been talking at nauseum about how data data matters. It does yeah, and yeah, it really does. ISM manufacturing data that came out in the U.S. today. Prices paid came in higher. The initial, the the number came in weaker than expected. The headline number, you looked at the prices paid, and that really, you know, sent the stock market whirling. You know, the dollar had recovered a little bit, but but what that suggests is the ISM services data, which is expected to be well above fifty mm-hmm. uh, coming in Friday, is going to be a number that that the market will be paying attention to. And it's a Friday, so I'm going to treat this, even though we don't have non-farm payroll this Friday here in the U.S. We have ISMs and ISM, the, the employment component is going to be very important to be watching, but it's also on Friday afternoon as everybody leaves Europe, you know, and the U.S. Uh, head home, we might end up getting a trend day. So I think the data is going to matter a lot, um, especially because people continue to, to, to bet against the U.S. and the strength of the U.S. economy. The, I, we are a services economy. I live mm. in a services economy here in the U.S. It is hard to bet against that knowing what I know. Um, with that being said, how are you going to position yourself? Because I have dollars. I have, I'm short dollar yen and I'm actually long dollars against other things personally. I don't know if I'm going to be that way going into Friday, but how are you going to position yourself for the ISM data? Chris? Um, yeah, I, I, I see the risks two ways. The market's looking for 54 and a half on the diffusion index. So it's still good growth. It's slightly slower than what we saw in the prior month, but yeah, I mean, look, 
I, I, don't, I don't expect a massive reaction. It depends on, on the magnitude of the beat or the miss relative to expectations, obviously. Um, but I think probably you'll be looking more closely at, at the week that will be next week. Um, you know, the, the following week, that, that, that payrolls number is going to be a biggie. Now, I look at the forward implied volatility markets on the S&P, for example. Markets not expecting massive movement over that ISM services data, but they are expecting big movement if you do the daily options on the payrolls number next Friday, where the market's expecting, at the moment, um, 215,000 jobs. Um, the wage data is going to be really important. They're expecting that 0.3 of a percent. Um, and then the CPI number the following week, um, you know, that's the big one. That's the the market is expecting massive movement over that. Of course, next week we've got Powell speaking as well. So that and, and then the jolts report. So there's, I think there's a lot of landmines we need to get through. And I think you might see a bit of a reaction to the, to the services data. Um, but I think the market's going to be saying to themselves, let's keep our powder dry because it's it's really about the next week, as I say, you know, jolts, pow, um, and, and then payrolls. Locally, we've got the uh, the RBA as well. I think that's going to be an interesting one as well, given that you know, the terminal price now is a 418 for the cash rate. But uh, yeah, I, I see two, two, to answer your question, Blake, I see two-way risks on the services number, but the market, I think, is probably more looking at the week that will be. Yeah, 215,000 is well below the three and, and six month average. So effectively, if that was to be the case, then you have a cooling of the labour market effectively, but not sufficiently to, to cause a big sell off in the US dollar. But we'll see what happens there. So a big week next week. And uh, yeah, one to one definitely put on your radar. Anyway, let's go to some of the setups that are on our minds right now. Yeah, I've got a couple of setups. Uh, they will probably look very much exactly the same. They, they were sort of co very quite correlated, to be fair. Hong Kong, uh, the Kiwi dollar, and, and gold. They all look, yeah, very Chinese centric, I suppose. But let's have a look at that Hong <laughs> Kong market. There, we got to bounce off the two hundred day moving average. We sort of came into that that cluster of uh, that consolidation zone that we saw back in December. Um, didn't quite pull off a, a, a bullish outside day reversal, didn't need to. Um, but you can see there that that wave of buying that's taken place on the back of the better data that we've been seeing, some of the better liquidity coming through. Haven't necessarily got a buy signal there. I'd like to see some of those short-term moving averages of three crossing the eight-day. Um, but I like that rate of change. Can it build? We'll have to see. That's something you're, so you're suggesting that we get, you're, you're going to be looking to sell into. We've got that 38.2 retracement, just, just shy of 21,000. I like this higher, Blake. I think it goes higher. That's my sort of base case. Waiting for the price action, as I say, to push me into a trade. Um, I like to buy strength. If this, if this breaks through um, yeah, yesterday's high, I wouldn't be a buyer of that. I think there's, yeah, I think there's probably scope in that situation to get you know, to the mid-21,000s on the back of that. How do you feel? You know, you know, uh, this is probably where it comes into like, what kind of trader are you? Like, is me uh, being more a wishy -washy of a swing trader? <laughs> I'm a wishy-washy flip-flopper. Uh, no, I, I am looking. I, if looking at this market, it, the Hong Kong 50, what I would be thinking is let it rally for a couple of days, and then I would be getting in front of that, looking to sell it to resume that downtrend that it's been in throughout the course of 2023. That's the way I would play it or since we peaked rather that's but but that's me and and that's me that would be sitting in a trade going back in the direction of the trend that it's been in for the last several weeks trying to get into a trade going short um playing into the narrative that's in my mind but i can't ignore the fact that we had a nice consolidation and we had a rally out of that consolidation last night so especially if you're a day trader like yourself and a lot so many traders that are here why not why not buy dips until uh, proven otherwise right yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's right. So I'm, I, I like just as a sort of a momentum strategy. I, I do take your point that you are 
uh, you know, it had the primary trend, is, or you can see that trend lower. But yeah, I think what's interesting there is for the first time through this rally, we've got a close price closed above those short-term moving averages. And as you see, every time in that downtrend, yeah, the, the market's made a rally into that point and everyone's sold into. So that's a new situation. It suggests that we, yeah, we could chop around, but it feels like that, that, that downtrend's probably over for now, in my opinion. All right. Well, you know, let's take it over to this setup. And this is a setup. And these are all setups for the the flip-floppers and and wishy-washy folks out there like myself. You know, I look at the sterling and and the pound. Uh it's it's actually trading really weak. We had the what do we call it? The Windsor Agreement. Is that what it's called? The Brexit Windsor Agreement. Northern Ireland Protocol, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that all all the all the all the goods and serv- all the goods going uh you know through Ireland and across the Irish uh, sea is that correct? I want to make sure I got that correct. Yep. Anyway, the market sold right into it and um which tells me from a price action standpoint EA uh you know the the dollar strong, B the cable's weak or C the market thinks that this is not going to be the best deal for the UK economy moving forward. At any rate, the pound itself is really kind of kind of trapped between a 50-day moving average, which you can see at the top of that wedge that comes in around 121.20. Then you got the 200-day moving average, which was tested around 119.20, 119.15, somewhere around there. Above the 50-day moving average, that means that this longer-term trend that you've seen out here since November of last year, it stays intact. We just make our way back up to the mid-120s towards those highs. But if we break that 200-day moving average, that's a that's that's a big double top. Chris, what do you think about this setup? I think it breaks either direction, but we're getting close to breaking. I love it. I, I think, yeah, once again, like you, you build out the big guns. And, and, and what I like about this is is there's no trade off this time frame here. But when it, it you've got clearly defined uh, parameters to work with. And when the market reveals itself, I think that's going to be very powerful indeed. I think that's going to that's going to take you off your wishy-washy stance and, and give you clear direction. The market would have spoken out. You know, there's clearly a battle going on between the bulls and the bears at the moment. No one really wants to exert their, their, their you know, their prowess, so to speak. Um, and that can be very revealing when some one, one party shows a dominant force. What that does is it changes the risk reward. You know, it changes the distribution effectively and the outcomes. And that's when we could get some some trending conditions. So for now. You know, this is one that, that you want to have your alerts on when price breaks out and, and if that price holds, you know, that could be very powerful because you've got pretty clearly defined ranges going on here. And I think, you know, once, once the market reveals itself, you know, that's going to be, I think, one that's going to be very well traded by the market in that situation. I want to have a look at gold um, uh, because, you know, we, we, we saw, we closed out February. We just, uh, on the monthly, we just narrowly missed a, a bearish outside month reversal. Um, I think by a, by a couple of bucks or so, um, but what we've actually saw yesterday is actually a bullish outside day reversal. So yeah, price traded below the prior day's bar, bars low, uh, closed firmly above that, and what we've then seen is 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 a, a higher high coming through. So you've got that momentum move as you can see from that red horizontal line where you know, price has broken through. Now we've got a bit of resistance coming around uh, sixteen forty six. The market needs to break through that level, um, and I think this is again this sort of comes into the strategy that I talked about with the HK fifty with the the Hang Seng effectively, where you want to buy strength and you know. A, a, a body in motion stays in motion, strength begets strength. And I think that's the way I want to play gold as well. Now, a lot of that's going to be down to the US dollar. A lot of it's going to be down to what happens in, in nominal and, and, and real rates. Um, but from a price action perspective, we've got that bullish outside day reversal. We've got the higher high. It's not particularly convincing. I would like it to, to close the, on its highs. Um, and we've got a bit of resistance around 1646. But it breaks those levels. I'm a buyer into strength. How are you, how are you seeing the gold market here, Blake? 
Well, you know, uh, you brought up a couple levels that you said uh, 1846, and I, I was actually happened to be looking at 1848, which is the level spot that I was looking at. Yeah. Uh, that 1860 is kind of my line in the sand. You know, when I when I trade, Chris, I like to have a line in the sand. That means that line shouldn't be crossed, and if it's crossed, whatever position I'm in, I need to think twice about it. So I kind of look at the market always with a line of sand, and that is at 1860 for me, meaning. It's bearish until we get back above that. We get back above that. If anybody's bearish, I don't think they want to be bearish anymore. You know, so uh, I I also and, and you can't see it drawn out here, but I think I've brought it up. It had a bear flag pattern. That bear flag pattern actually drew, took us down to seventeen ninety. We didn't quite make it there, but like technical analysis, a lot is a lot like horseshoes and hand grenades. Hey, you know, so, you know, it uh, sometimes almost almost counts. So almost counts. <laughs> so <laughs> fair enough. There you go. Horseshoes and hand grenades. Always remember that. All right. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 chart I'm going to bring up for you next is going to be the Dow, and this is the Dow 30. And uh, I I said um, first line of defense for the for the bulls, um, but it also you know could be you know maybe the second line of defense is right below it. So as I was mentioning a little bit earlier, we're looking at the Dow and we, and this is a setup. I think it's a setup for either bulls or bears. As long as we stay above the 200 day moving average. And as long as we stay above this, you know, 32,400 level, that's the 38% retracement roughly, you know, depending on what, what you're looking at in the Dow, but it's going to be right around there. As long as we stay above that level, I think you can play long and, you know, buy dips as long as it's below that. But there's your line in the sand, the line in the sand below the 38% retracement, especially below that 200 day moving average, things get a little bit dicier for the bulls. So if you're looking to be a bear, I think that is where you start to, you know, step on potential shorts again, flip floppy, wishy-washy, but it's a setup. So yeah. what do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, the, the similar situation as we got with the US 500, the S and P 500, the, yeah, the market's at a, obviously a clearly defined juncture here. Um, the difference, I think, what's important when you look at index com composition, um, the biggest yeah. stock in the Dow is United Health, right? And and because it's got a high price, this is this is why the Dow to me is a monkey market because it's, it's a price weighted market like the Nikkei. But you've got the you know, the United Health, um, which has a ten percent weight on the market. You know, this is when when the market goes up. That's why the Nasdaq will outperform because you know its biggest stock in the Dow is a healthcare stock, which has a very low beta to the index. So when the markets, you know, when you, when you get a situation where you get a risk off, you know, the Dow typically outperforms. Um, it falls less because it's got you know that, that highest composition. And so for me, that you know, that's why we'll see a lot more people buying and, and trading the Hong Kong market or the the, you know, the Nasdaq because it's that higher beta market. But yeah, like this is a similar situation. You've got clearly defined support here. Does it bounce? Does it fall? Again, yeah, you know, like we saw in the, in the pound. Wait for the market to reveal itself. And I think that will set up a new bias because we're clearly at support levels at the moment. Maybe get a few scalps out of this right now, but um, yeah, from a, from a swing position in, in your in your world, then yeah, you're waiting for the market to reveal itself and, and go along for the trend, should we say. Anyway, let's go to play Sweet. of the day. Let's see what's uh, on our mind. Play of the day in France, they call it play de jour. Uh, last week I called uh, Aussie dollar. I actually, yeah, did fairly well on that one. I think that the, the Aussie um, yeah, was one of the yeah, big fallers last week. So, yeah, that 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 that's been pretty good. I've closed that position, um, and I'm actually looking at Kiwi dollar um, on the long side now. Similar to what we saw in Hong Hong Kong, I want to be a buyer of strength here. Uh, a lot of people 
don't sort of quite get get that idea. Why would you buy something at a worse price? Well, you know, you're just adopting a pure momentum strategy. Momentum strategies fail quite often, which is why um, you know you, you, it's all about reward to risk. So you you, you focus less on your on your strike rate. Yeah, you, know, you might only get 35, 40 percent of your trades right, but it's not about your win loss ratio. It's about the risk to reward on these trades. So you're buying strong and you're looking to sell it at a stronger level. So the Kiwi dollar, you know, you can see that res horizontal resistance level. I'm a, I'm a buyer through that level, especially on a close, uh, and I want to just hold it um, and then you know you put a mechanical stop on the trade. You know, wait for price to close back below the five day moving average or using a, a three eight day crossover, something that keeps me in the trade. Um, but I want to buy, be a buyer of strength. And I think this is also a really good play on China. You know, as we saw the Hong Kong market rally yesterday, the Kiwi dollar was the best performer. Obviously, the Aussie dollar could have done quite well, but you know, we've got some, some of the data in the CPI numbers suggest that, that inflation's peaked. So I want to play China either through the Hong Kong market. In this case, I want to do it through um, through the Kiwi dollar, which is a higher B to play there. Uh, and I want to be a buyer of strength through that, that resistance level, as you can see. Holy cow, this is where we get to be on opposite sides of Whee! the token or the coin today. Uh, I'm going to take you into the Euro Aussie, you know, and, and actually before I get into this, my last week, uh, the dollar CAD uh, up to 138. We reached for it. I actually played it on the long side. It gave some of it back. It's marginally positive from where we were at last week. But this week, like I said, I'm not believing this whole China thing. And, uh, it, and if you're shorting or excuse me, if you're getting long the Aussie dollar, especially against the Euro, you'll notice no one's believing it there either. Now, we do have the RBA next week, which is going to be next Tuesday for you guys, right? Tuesday morning? Chris? Yep, yep. So we got uh, next Tuesday morning, we do have the RBA. So that's something that we do have to be aware of. But there's a trend line that goes all the way back to uh, from, from October of 2020. And it comes through right around the 159 level. And above 159, I'm going to get aggressively long. So I'm looking for, you know, to kind of nibble on it long, we get above 159, we get past the RBA, I'll probably be uh, looking to extend my position on the long side, looking for a move above 160 in the coming days. So Euro Aussie, that's how I'm playing it. I don't believe this whole China stuff. Okay. I'm not in there. I'm not, I'm not game. Well, I'm a buyer of strength. Let's see what happens there. The RBA meeting next Tuesday, 2.30 Eastern Daylight Time. Put it on your radar. The market's pricing 23 basis points of tight, so a 25 basis point hike is, is pretty much priced in. We've got the terminal pricing in Australia uh, around 4.18% uh, in terms of peak pricing there. So we'll see whether the statement suggests that that's uh, on the money. But it could be a volatility event, so obviously watching those Aussie dollar exposures accordingly. Anyway, for all you viewers out there who've stayed watching us, we really appreciate it. Hit the like button, leave a comment about how you're trading the market, and we'll see you next week for more of The Trade-Off.